I'm going to open in prayer and just turn it over, and then um, we have lunch prepared afterwards. I'm sure he'll let you take a break and um, stand up and maybe, maybe stretch your legs a little bit. Um, so, Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the time that we're able to gather and be a part of, of what you're doing. And, Lord, I thank you for Pastor Maurice. I thank you, God, that your spirit is continually always leading him and guiding him showing him fresh revelation to not only minister to his life, but also to be able to share with those who he comes into contact with. And today, God, we come as open vessels. We come as uh, workers in your field. And we ask that every word that would be spoken, every example that would be given, Father, we would get a, a nugget of learning from, of revelation, knowledge, how not only we can be ministered to, but how we can then go on and, and continue to work in the field. So, Lord, let your Holy Spirit come, be a blessing, uh, move amongst us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thanks, BT. I'll, I'll confess that I have nothing new to share. Just refreshing. I, I think one of the, the most uh, easiest jobs I think I've ever looked at is preaching. Because I don't have to make up anything. I just have to repeat something that's already been said. And so this morning, the whole goal is, is not really to give you something that you haven't heard before. But maybe to, as a refresher. Something that you kind of we kind of relook over, help us to understand, particularly this morning, what is it that we're trying to achieve? What is it that is the main goal? So I want to just kind of open up with this and ask you a couple things. If I if I ask you to kind of what do you think or how would you what comes to mind when I say the word football? Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Winning. Winning. Beating. Buffalo Bills. Beating the Cowboys. Process. Beating the Cowboys? I don't think that's going to happen. We'll see in December. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'm trying to get tickets. If I get tickets, I'm coming back. Okay? And that's the, that's the only time I'll come up in December. Because I know there'll be snow here. Because <laughs> the snow is coming this week because of you. I believe it. But as long as it comes after Monday, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Well, what do you what do you think about we talk about uh, if I say the word snow? You. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, what comes what what words help to describe snow? Cold. 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 Wet. 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 Shovel. Misery. Work. Misery. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's pretty. It is pretty until it gets dirty. First time. Right. <laughs> and if nobody steps in it. Pretty for a second. Right. <laughs> yep. But you think of all the work that goes behind it. What about if I say the word children? Oh, love. Oh, I like that. Love. Innocence. Innocence. Blessing. Blessings. Nice. Cursing. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, you mean? Well, you know, like, like, times a child is a blessing, but a times a child is out of control. So, so he's a childlike. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? I said, it's like good bet. Look at Patrick Christian's like, yeah, you said it right, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I was most most men would probably said. agree. Like, yeah, you know, there's good times and bad times. I mean, That's what I meant by right. that. Maybe cursing wasn't the word. Yeah. <laughs> cursing wasn't the word. Challenge. Challenge. Thank you. I like that. Responsibility. Responsibility. Absolutely. Exhausting. That's true. It can definitely be exhausting because you've got a lot of things that you've got to take care of and handle and deal with. What about the uh, word family? Love. Love. My life. My life. Okay. I like that. Exhausting. 
Exhausting. <laughs> Drama. Drama. Because every family is, is structured different, handle things differently. Some, some people can say, you know, my family structure is good. Some people may say it's not so good. Right. You know, it's not always the same. It's not a cookie cutter. You know, and, and so how we describe it is always different. How we look at things is different. Um, I remember um, being in Tulsa. You may have heard me tell this story before where we were out ministering on the streets and we were ministering and a young lady we kind of came up to um, who was a prostitute and we were just kind of going, you know, Jesus, God will be your father. He'll love you. And her question became, will it hurt? Wow. Aww. Which immediately gave us this, the indication that the words father and love were synonymous with hurt to her in the physical sense. So when we talk about family, family has different dynamics, has different flow. How about the word church? God, fellowship, fellowship, holy, refuge, refuge, healing, healing, community, community. A lot of lot of good adjectives, a lot of good things that we can think about, reflect on, simple things, building, cross, steeple, fun times, retreats. You know, a safe haven. One of the things that I want to look at is when we're looking is today as leaders is how do people see South Towns Christian Center in the community, amongst family, with children, amongst an environment? Is it the beacon on the corner that people see the light? Or has it become kind of a family-oriented organization that's almost an exclusive group. And churches, unfortunately, can become that. Churches can become well-knit, well-put-together, well-oiled organization. But it's almost like, you know, I had a restaurant back home that I would, I, I've passed by this restaurant for years, all my life. All my life, I've passed by this restaurant. Never knew anything concrete, but in my mind, that wasn't a restaurant for me. Now, I get it. There are some restaurants, Tracy, I look at and I go, that's just not for me. You know, I don't have a motorcycle. <laughs> So when you see the Harley Davidson sign, you kind of go, that's a bike bar. Sorry. No, I don't want to go there. Until I get my Harley. <laughs> then I'll go there. But I don't know why. I don't know. I really don't know why. And then one day my wife goes, Have you ever eaten there? And I'm like, I haven't. I just always felt like that wasn't a place for me. We never want the church to feel like it's a place that people kind of ride by. And go, that's not a place for me. And so I want to challenge us today with thinking way outside the box. And how do we become the light on the corner? How do we become the light on the hill? How do we as leaders make sure we're sharpening each other? I want to challenge you to 
think way outside of your norm today and say, where is it that I'm going and am I, am I challenging myself in the next phase? One of the things that I found out that, uh, and my wife and I are continually trying to re reposition ourselves on how we deal with things. They say, statistically, that most relationships die early on. And here's how they say that. You know, as men, we get ready to date a girl, we scope her out, look her over, check her out, get to know her friends, try to figure out, is this going to be a good match? We're attracted by the eyes. And then after we get attracted, we want to know if brain, we can connect. We, we, we typically, we find the love of our life at a young age. We have aspirations, we have goals, we have education or drive or trade or whatever. We're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing. And somewhere early in the relationship, after we've kind of settled in, we, we, we lose the drive and the drive shifts to, I've got the job, I'm making the money I want to make and maybe I'm looking for that extra promotion, but I'm not looking for that drive anymore. I'm just kind of coasting. Uh, you know, we don't date as much as we used to as, you know, because we got kids. Yeah. What else are we going to do? We got to go to the soccer games. We got to go, you know, the hockey games. We got to go to football games. We got to do all this other stuff. And so, you know, the, the drive of, you know, loving and caring and taking care of the relationship kind of begins to settle down to this is who we are. And there's no drive anymore. Have we gotten that way with the church? Have we gotten to the place in church where we're no longer thinking way outside the box anymore? We no longer are looking at how do we, you know, engage people? How do we engage the community? How do we win souls? Because we've been taught this is the way we win souls. We win souls with the box cutter of ABC, and I'm going to do my part. But can I do just a little bit more? Can I go just a little bit further in helping someone and engaging someone? Have we gotten to the place where we are, 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 and we'll get a little bit into this a little bit later, but I'll just throw it out there as a teaser. Have we gotten to the place where we say, you know what? My discipleship is I go to work, I go in the community, and I say, hey, if you ever, we got something going on at the church this weekend, would you like to come by and be a part of that? And I've done my discipleship. Is that really discipleship? It, has it really become, you know, put on the shoulders of the pastor that you go, I need you to hear my pastor preach. Oh, we've got an awesome praise and worship team. I just need to get you there. Because we really haven't understood what real discipleship looks like. So I've got a few things that I wanted to get you. I'm giving you some notes because we want to look at not only guiding the flock, but we want to look at how we're nurturing the faithful. Okay? Because how South Towns Christian Center grows will all be determined on not just the pastor, but the leadership. Servant leadership is critical. And if there's any place that you serve here in the ministry, my goal today is, is to expand your thinking and say, can I do more? And I'm just going to be right up front about that. This is not, this is not an offering that I'm, I'm trying to take up. I'm not going to have a $50 line, a $100 line, a $500 line. But spiritually, I am going to ask you to stand in a $50 line, a $100 line, and a $500 line. If your giving is at $100, i am challenging you to go to $500. If you're not giving at all, I'm challenging you to give at 50 
I'm challenging you to say, can I do more? And it might not just be what I do in the building. Because we're the church. See, we talked about that, the church, and we talked about the building. We talked about the steeple. We talked about the fellowship in the community. But the Bible says that we are the church. And so wherever I go, whatever I do, first I represent Christ. Do your neighbors feel comfortable in going, man, I don't know what he's going through and what they're handling, but you know what? I want what they got. Where are they at? What are they doing? And so we want to look at some of those things. So we want to look at guiding the flock, nurturing the faithful. What are the processes that we'll look, look at? The first thing that we want to look at is, is finding the lost. Okay? When I was pastoring a church at one church, one of the two things that we wanted to do was, one, find those who are lost, grow those who have been found. So the first thing we want to do is, how do we find those who are lost? So let's look at Matthew 28, 18, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Matthew 28 and 18. And then I'll challenge you all to, if you, if you know some of the terminology of some of these things. Matthew 28 and 18. Anybody in here know what that's, this scripture is referred to? I'll read it out for you. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Now, anybody can tell me what this passage of Scripture is referred to? Great Commission. The Great Commission. The Great Commission. That's the command for all of us. Listen, I need you to put this in your notes. we got to put aside personal agendas. This is not about whether you're Republican or Democrat. It's not whether or not, you know, you, 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 you're up or down, left or right. This is about love. How do we express love, show love, and guess what? Where to go into all nations, compelling them. And I'm going to tell you something. The Bible tells us that we need to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. That means there's a strategy to this. That means that, you know what, I got to think, I got to think outside of the box. Who am, who am I not? I know we're not, I can't reach everybody. But if you come in my path, God, if you give me an opportunity, how can I reach them? I, I, I know very little about certain aspects of life. Never was a drinker. Never was a drug user. Never hung out in clubs. I don't have rhythm. I really don't. The top and the bottom never match. Okay? I can literally stand up here and y'all be, ha, he got rhythm, but the bottom is not moving. <laughs> okay? So I look good sitting in the car. Or sitting on a flower on the wall. There's some avenues I can't speak to. That's what's the uniqueness about leadership in churches. Because there's so many diverse people that come from different aspects. I can't speak intelligently about the medical field. Although, I keep telling people, don't down my Grey's Anatomy degree. <laughs> okay? Educational field. Or maybe you're, you're where God has placed you. 
Because God has placed you in the field or what I like to call the marketplace. And there should be marketplace ministry wherever you're at. He's given you a level of talents and gifts where you are and you should have influence where you are. You should have influence in your community, in your neighborhood. You should be involved in certain things, whether it's the school, whether it's with your children. If God is giving you children, you need to be involved. If you go to the doctor, you need to have influence in the doctor's office because we're the light. And wherever light is, darkness leaves. And so when we look at the Great Commission and the fact that we're going after the lost, that means, Lord, you know what? I don't have to walk in there with the big Bible under my arm and the big cross around my chest and go thus and thou and these and, and though and all. No, can I, just, can I just talk to you? And you know what? I'm not easily offended. Can I just tell you, as leaders, don't get easily offended. Don't wear your feelings on your shirt, on your shoulder. I got to just be honest with you. You can't, you can't lead and get easily offended. You can't. You can't be so offended because somebody says a cuss word. You can't get offended because somebody don't live a life like you live. Because this love that we're talking about and compelling people, it's going to take some perseverance. It's going to take some tenacity. It's going to take you to be able to go, you know what? I'm okay. You know, PT and I, we, we laugh. I, I don't like people to introduce me as pastor. Man, I want you to be yourself. I want you to laugh. I want you to joke. I want you to, I want, if, 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 your, if your cup of tea is A, B, and C, feel free to do A, B, and C. I'm not offended by it. How can I be offended that you're doing what you do? But you'd be surprised that when you go somewhere and you're not offended as a leader, and they go, you didn't judge me. You didn't make me feel uncomfortable. You know what he did? He just loved me. He just loved me for who I am. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, now, maybe you've got an open door to hear or them to hear what you have to say. The old statement, nobody knows how much you know until they first know how much you care. That's really good. Nobody knows how much you know. Slow, 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 slow. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody cares how much you know until they first know how much you care. We've got to get back to the basics of just love. We've got to get back to the basics of loving folks and just saying, you know what? I care for you as an individual. I might not like what you're doing. I might not like the sin you're in, but you want to know something? I love, because God loves you as a person. Nobody cares how much you know. <laughs> Call me out, man. I know you're out there. I'm, I'm, I'm calling you out because I don't want to call Tracy out. <laughs> I think you wrote the right thing. That's good, Tracy. Thank you. Nobody knows, nobody cares how much you know until they first know how much you care. Okay? Because at the end of the day, when we want to be people that we compel, we're driving it. But how do you drive it? Do you drive it with the big, your, your Bible thumping folks? 
My, my, my middle brother was the chief of sinners outside of Paul. Yes, he was. Yes. Right, he had so many conversations with Tom over the phone. Oh, he would threaten Tom. Where'd you call my brother from? That's so racist. I'll come to Oklahoma today and I'll. And I'm like, dude, he's not in it. This big, <laughs> probably drunk. And, 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 like, today he's a Muslim. Tomorrow he'll be, uh, you know, something else, and this will be something else. But, and I literally, I got to a place in, in early in, in when we were in college, and I would see him at a summer job I was working. When I saw him, I'd give him the Bible, man. Hey, do you know God's got a call on your life, and you need to do so and so and so, and God, the devil wants to take you out, and blah, 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 blah. And every day I saw him, I was hitting him. I was hitting him with the word. Oh, my gosh, man, I'm going to win this. This one, this, this is my brother. He's going to be one for Christ with everything I've got. And one day he looked at me, he walked up to me before I could start. He started. Man, last night I was with this girl. Man, she was, and believe me. The description he gave, I was going, oh, I don't want to hear that. That's vulgar. You're destroying my spiritual mind. The devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You're trying to bring me down. And he sat there and he looked at me. He says, you know, every time I see you, that's how I feel. He said, if I don't change things around and I die, and I go to hell, that's my business. He goes, we'll still be brothers. But if you keep talking to me this way, I'm going to stop coming around. He says, and then we won't have anything. He says, so if all we get is this life, because I choose not to accept Christ and live the afterlife, why don't we love each other now? And if by chance, if by chance, I change my heart, I don't know who to come to. Because you've loved me in every stage of my life. The last eight and a half years of his life, he turned his heart around. Not only turned his heart around, but again, preaching the gospel. No, trust me. God had to take him through some very hellish places in his life. But he became one of the greatest evangelists I've ever known in my life. Why? Because, man, he could go sit at the bar and talk to somebody at the bar. He could go to a baseball game and talk baseball or football. He related. He became Paul. He related to everybody because he had history. He had been somewhere. He had done some things. Now, I'm not saying that you got to do some things to be somewhere. But I'm telling you that if we're not expressing love and compelling people in a very wise way, say, you know what, God, I'm going to utilize the scripture that says some, some water and some, some plant and some water, but it's who gives the increase? God gives the increase. It's not my job to save folks. Write that in your notes. You need that because sometimes we forget that. It's not my job to save folks. Okay, let me put it in a better way. It's not my job to change My job is to love them right where they are. How do we find the loss? Are we willing to go in places that we're uncomfortable? Say that again. Are we willing to go in places 
where we're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then not be uncomfortable. Can, can, can you go to, to the game and, and, and enjoy the game with a neighbor while everybody around you is, you know, cussing and swearing and doing all, or, or oh, I don't want to go there. Well, they need us there. They, they need us involved. Why, why, why is it that many of the things we, we, can, we can, oh, we're going to vote it in or, or we're going to protest it in. How about you just be there? You, you, you don't like what's going on in the community? Guess what? Get involved. You don't like what's going on in the school system? PTA. Get involved. Be there. We begin to win the loss when we're engaged with the community. Second thing I want you to look at, let's look at Luke 15. Flip over to Luke 15. Four through seven. <clears throat> what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Here's what I want you to write down at that scripture. We need to have compassion for the lost. How many people do you know that used to belong to South Towns? When was the last time you reached out to him? When was the last time you touched base with him? When was the last time you just kept in contact with him? Were you a friend before? Or were you only just what I see? I, I, I tell my daughter all the time, she's a 13 year old. I tell her, I says, you know, you got friends and then you got school friends. And y'all know the difference between friends and school friends? Those are the friends you're only friends with when you're in school. Yep. Yeah. When the summertime comes, you don't talk to them. You don't connect with them. You don't stay in contact with them. So do you have friends? Do you have church friends? Do you, honestly, do you, do you have folks that the only time you connect with them is when you come to church? Or do you really know the people you're ministering with? Do you really know the people... You really have koinonia. What's that word koinonia? Do you guys know that word? It means fellowship. Do you really have true fellowship, integration with who you, Tom and I, we know each other. We, we, we understand each other. We can laugh and joke and talk about a lot of things. And there's no offense because we, and even if, if, I, if I offend him, he's easy to come back and say, hey, man, you know, really, you took that a little too far. I don't know if he's ever told me that. <laughs> You've told me that. Well, you know. I keep, I gotta, Tracy says I got to keep you on the straight and narrow sometimes. Yes. The corner of the fellowship is, is that do you have people that you just kind of go, oh, yeah, we go to South Towns together? 
Well, as leaders, I need you to, again, I want to encourage you to go way beyond that. Where's the loss? And are you willing to go after the loss? Are you willing to continually fellowship and, and engage and check on folks that you say, you know what, you used to fellowship with us. You used to go to church and I know things. Well, guess what? We don't have to talk about church. Let's not talk about church. Let's talk about something else because guess what? We're bigger than that. We're, we're bigger than if we got to surround every conversation around church because you talk about other things. How's your kids? How's your family? How's this going on? I'm going, I'm, I'm determined to go after the law. Here's what discipleship looks like for me. Discipleship looks like this for me. If you take or ask God, God put one person, one person in my life, and I will disciple them for the next 12 months. One person. One person in my life that I am going to call, check on, take them out to coffee, invite them over to my house, let them get engaged with who I am, and I want to be engaged with who they are. One year. Do you know that if every person in South Towns won one person to Christ in one year, the church would double. But we get excited. Churches. Churches. We get excited. Oh, we, 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 we had uh, 20 members join in the last year. Because we're more concerned with bringing them in in the masses and watching them go out the back door quicker than they came, out, came in the front door. And nobody's finding them. Nobody's checking on them. Nobody's figuring out what happened. What, what happened to the family that came to the altar? Has anybody checked on them? And that's not, you know, just one or two. You kind of, you kind of find who's in that niche. You got somebody, and I'll, I'll just stay in the vein of the Harley Davidson group. You got somebody that loves riding motorcycles and you get a family that comes here and they like riding motorcycles. You don't give that family off to a deacon or a trustee or an elder that likes knitting. <laughs> give them off to the pet worship pastor. <laughs> <laughs> right. You find the fit that matches the need. Remember, we're talking about being wise as serpents, harmless as doves. I, I get it. Strategically, you know, administratively, you kind of go, we got to find a fit. We don't know where the fit is. So today, you know, we're going to assign this family or this person to this group because we don't know what their fit is. Well, have we engaged them? PT, have we engaged to find out what their likes are? I, I, I was involved with a church and, and, and believe it or not, it was one of my secretaries. She goes, you like Survivor? I love Survivor. I've watched every season of Survivor. I miss Bible study because of Survivor. <laughs> then I found out DVR works. <laughs> but you know, they, they turn around and this church, I'm a pastor. I don't need another cell group. I don't need another Bible study. She goes, you like Survivor though. I said, I do. She goes, every Thursday, this is when they were on Thursdays, every Thursday we have a cell group for people who like to watch Survivor. Huh? Yeah. 
Survivor comes on at 8. Bible study starts at 7.30. We have fellowship. We talk. We laugh. And then when the show turns on, we kind of do Bible study early. So we DVR it. So it'll already start recording. And then at about 8.15, 8.20, we turn on Survivor. And we start it from the beginning. And then we watch it without the commercials. And by the time it gets to the end, we've caught up with it. And then you've gotten a chance to get Bible study, get fellowship, and watch Survivor. And I'm like, really? Where's the next fellowship? And I found myself engaged in a church for Survivor. All of their cell groups at this church was based on likes. You like the mountain bike? We got a group for that. You like the knit? We got a group for that. You go Harley David, and we got a group for that. Because what they found was they were able to meet the need and then capitalize on that need. Every person in here and in the church should be at least a social media evangelist. Whether you like social media a lot or not, Every post, every post, again, I'm here to challenge you like you like I'm your pastor. Every post that goes up on Facebook, you ought to like, whether you read it or not. Why? It engages. It strengthens the algorithms. And it pushes, the more likes it has, it pushes it to the top of the feed. So that it's seen by more people. Every sermon ought to be shared by every leader with your family and friends. Yep, I said it because I can go home on Monday. <laughs> Y'all already cut the check, right? <laughs> if you haven't cut the check, I might start behaving a little <laughs> That's all right. I've got good dinner already. Seriously, we're talking to leaders here, right? So we can just kind of be free about some stuff. There should not be a post that goes up on the social media of South Towns Christian that you have not already liked or shared. You ain't even got to read it. You ain't got to read it. Just like it. It amazes me that I'll... Cause I follow South Towns, so I know what I'm talking about. I'm guilty. <laughs> and when I, I see a post, to be honest, <laughs> like I truly and honestly, but do you, but do you know how much between me and God that right? I'm, I'm like not on it, like. But you know how evangelist is working today. I know, but I'm trying to not spend time that it's consuming. My life and truly and honestly, it's made a tremendous change in me. And I get that. I can get that. I, I you know, I, I have to. It's a, it's a shame on TikTok. But they, you are so right. I'm not. They, saying they, they have they have a person that comes up and goes, okay, time to put the phone down. You've been TikToking for too long. Yeah. So I don't, so I, I don't so, so I because I, I don't there's not I don't I don't move to that right. Beat. <laughs> I have I've sat for an hour on social media. It's not it's it not that me. it consumes my life or um in time right. It's not that. It's I can't stand all the like drama. Nonsense and drama. Gotcha. And, and I get it. You know, I, I have 
That's why I started out by saying this is not about personal because things on social media get so personal. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. the, the church gets divided in political things. And I'm going, have we lost our focus? Am, am I a political guy? Absolutely. You know, let me just tell you something. If you're Republican, I'll make you feel like I'm a Democrat. If you're a Democrat, I'll make you feel like I'm a Republican. I just stand in the middle of the ground and I just make everybody mad. So don't ever want to get in a discussion with me. Because trust me, I don't care who you vote for, who you like. I just want you to vote. That's my biggest thing. But I will make you mad and think I'm the other party. So it doesn't matter. I'm independent. I just, I like to have conversations to make people upset. My wife goes, it's a shame. I might not get into heaven because of it, but it's just. <laughs> However, let me just tell you where society is. My children would not listen to my sermons, and I don't know why. You know, I'm like, but my son and my daughter started watching TikTok, and all of a sudden, they saw Pastor Mike Todd, and they was listening to 60-second sermons on TikTok of Pastor Mike Todd, and all of a sudden, they started liking his page, and then they started looking at the little snippets that he was doing, because guess what? Pastor Mike Todd wasn't putting up his TikTok. Somebody else was. And they take his sermon, and they cut his sermon up, and they put all these little snippets up, and then before you know it, he's got this huge following on TikTok, and then all of a sudden, I'm asking my son, I said, hey, did you listen to a sermon today or anything? Engaged? He goes, yeah, I was on YouTube. I followed and listened live Pastor Mike Todd on YouTube. What? Okay. Right. And I'm going, that's that's a thing? This, this I was shocked. Like that's a thing? Yeah. It's like, yeah, dad, that's how we that's how just so I'm a foodie. You can't tell. I go to places and I want to find restaurants that are not chain restaurants. How do I find them? TikTok? Social media? I can't. How do you find a church? How am I going to find a church that's engaging and I think is cutting edge? Well, South Towns is cutting edge. But if I look on, on, on the website, I'm going, ah, they got five people that like the pastor's last sermon. Five? Or maybe it's more show and glamour. Maybe it's not real. Oh, I know. But I'm talking from a position of social media. Uh -huh. If I move in the area, I come in the area, would I, would I be engaged to go, this is where I want to plant my feet. This is where I want to go. The other thing is, is how engaging are you when people come through the door? So not just on social media. How engaging are you when people come through the door? Do you just walk by them because we got a lot of stuff that we got to do? And, and you just kind of go, hey, morning, how are you? And you just keep on going? Or do you really take an opportunity, especially somebody that you've never seen before, and engage them and say, welcome, thank you for coming to South Towns. My name is so-and-so, and if you need anything, you know, we've got a welcome table and this. And make them feel welcome. Make them feel like this is a place we want them to engage and be a part of. This is that leaving the 99, going after that one. Because oftentimes we get so consumed with, again, what the big ball looks like that we're not really concerned. We win people one person at a time. We engage people one person at a time. And that's, that's the big commission that we're going. So we want to 
Go after the lost. The second one that I, we get to is growing those who are found. Because guess what? We have to make sure we're growing those who are found. Anybody got any comments or questions before I, I, I go to the second part of this? Any, any comments or questions? Pastor? Yes. Uh, not to go off track, but... I'm okay with track. Tommy about, frankly, was going after some of the people. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to speak for him because I think he had a really great point in surmising it to our conversation in 30 seconds. Some of the people who left, frankly, were bad apples. Absolutely. And so it's hard sometimes to differentiate, like, maybe someone just had whatever issue, reach out to versus, you know what? I don't know how to say it. Maybe another church is a good fit for you. Yeah. And trying to determine the difference. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, my mom used to tell me I had to stop saying this, right? Because I used to tell people all the time when they came to the church, I would tell them, I thank you for coming, and I bless God when you leave. Stop. I would. And my mom says, son, you're building a church. You can't keep saying that. It doesn't, it doesn't, I understand your heart because really, truly, I don't want you to stay any longer than God wants you here. It's like manna. Yeah. If you hold it, it'll, it'll spoil, and it's no good for any of us. There are people who are cancerous. You want to cut it out. Yeah. It's not good for the group. But what I'm talking of is, is that like a bad apple or cancer, I think of people as clay. And like in Jeremiah, there's workmanship that can happen. All of us have testimony that we can look back and go, I was that person. And I didn't work out. That church hurt me, or I didn't like the pastor, or we didn't get along, or maybe I was a part of a family and the family split and they stayed over there and I can't go back there. I get it. I get all that. I get all that. What I'm actually engaging in is saying, you know what though? How many people and I'll use the term church hurt. I really don't like the term church hurt, but people identify with church hurt because, you know, there's no work hurt. So, but anyway, you get what I'm saying. <clears throat> I know people who have been hurt inside the church. And they're really waiting on somebody to just keep loving on them. So I'm not saying that everybody belongs here. What I'm saying is that we continually be the light if the only time you engage me is when I'm in church, then I don't see that as genuine. I got people, I know you got them too, but I got people that my phone rings and the first thing I be thinking like, what do they want? <laughs> I, got, I, got a, I got a lifelong friend. When I say lifelong friend, I'm talking we are 90 days apart in birth. Mom's or like this, like sisters, okay? He can call me right now and I'll be going, what do you want? And 95% of the time, I'm right. Because I only hear from him when he needs something. What I'm saying is, is that there are people that will go, man, you were just on my heart and I just wanted to call. I don't want nothing. I don't want nothing. I just want to see how you and the family doing. I know you don't belong to South Towns anymore. And man, I, I thank God you're over here at ABC Church. And man, your family's growing. And y'all ever have something, man, invite me over. I'm coming. Why? Because we have fellowship. Because what happens? What happens? Now, this is bigger than South Towns. Remember, this is bigger than South Towns. What happens when 
They need a shoulder to cry on them. Need somebody to pray for them. You come back and you say, hey, PT, you remember the Joneses? Man, they're going through. We need to lift them up in prayer. Next meeting we got, I want to make sure we're lifting the Joneses up in prayer. PT gets worse. Man, I'm going to lift the Joneses up. Matter of fact, I might send Brother Jones a text. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, heard you guys are going through. Let you know South Towns is praying for you. Do you know how much that would mean? What, what would that mean to you? Man, I did them wrong. I talked trash about them. Man, I, I, I ran their name through the mud. Then I think about the scriptures in Proverbs. How do you, how do you combat the evil one? Do good to them. Like heaping coals of fire on their head. So I get it. I'm not saying that everybody, that's what I'm saying, outside, you got to go, I, I still want to be engaged with you. Haven't seen you in a while. You know, I want to make sure you're plugged in to a Bible-believing church. And if nothing else, again, we don't have to talk about, hey, I saw our teams are getting ready to play this weekend. <laughs> we, used to, we used to josh each other on Sunday mornings and talk trash after the game. Well, we'll still talk trash to you. Why? Because I'm showing love. So I, I do get it. Trust me, there, there, there are reasons and seasons for everybody. Some people will outgrow the ministry. Some, play, some, some ministries will outgrow the people. And sometimes there's not a good connect. That's why I, I love the fact that there's places where everybody can get fed. You might like McDonald's. I like Burger King. Somebody else like Chick-fil-A. You know. You can get fed. But I should be able to engage you. If it's sincere, I should be able to engage you on all of those different fronts. Right. Right. Yeah. Appreciate it. No, not a problem. Any other questions or comments? Yes. I have an awkward one that my daughter shared. So she's been in this ministry. She serves every Sunday, grew up in. She's in a Bills game Sunday and, and ends up parking next to a member of this congregation. And she said it was the most awkward tailgating she has ever had. Hmm. And she said she got to the point where the only way it wasn't awkward is if she didn't look at them. Now, whether it was because they were partying, drinking, or whatever it was, but I, it just struck me as, oh my gosh. Right. We can't even behave outside of church and, and be friendly. Right. You know, and that's, that's from a young person. Right. And it, it just, it, it, I don't know, it kind of changed my adjustment as far as outside. PT's always, always talking about, you know, when you're at Walmart, when you're at different places. But if we can't even be real at a football game right. and accept each other. That's it. My wife is not, you know, I can stand up here, just take the pulpit, right? 150, 250 people will be in here tomorrow. Different services, right? I'll never remember everybody's faces or names. They'll remember my face. My wife and I will go places, and I'll, I'll just kind of nudge her, and I'll be like, like, you know, okay, I'll tell you my secret. Okay, we'll go places like Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry, and she's like, that's that's our signal for church. And she's like, where? Because we're conscious. We're always conscious. Not so that we can be like, put that away. No, that's not. You, you missed the point. <laughs> Tom, Tom, you missed the point. <laughs> like, 
like, baby, put that away. No, no, no. <laughs> no, the point is, is that we recognize that people are very sensitive. They see us and they identify with us. And I'm going, and maybe we're going to say hi. I don't, I, I can't remember where we remember them from. I don't know how we remember them. But the first time I don't speak to somebody, they're going to get offended. And you might say, well, that's not right. Well, come on. People are people. Mm-hmm. So I have to nudge sometimes. like, hey, hey, hey. And we'll leave sometimes. And say, we, have, we have this little game, you know. And we take notes. I mean, I'm telling you all my secrets. So the game is, you know, I walk up. Hey, how you doing? Good. Yeah. How have things been going? How's the family? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Married, I don't know if he had kids, I don't know if his mama's still alive, I don't know what I how's the family? And then my wife will chime in and goes, He's so rude. I'm sorry. I'm Khalid. How are you? We've set this up. Because I need to know his name. <laughs> I need to know his name. It's, 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 you know, we'll be sitting there talking and we'll be engaging. And I'm just trying in my head. I'm rolling through the Rolodex. It's like, where do I know this guy from? Where I can't remember his name. If I don't introduce my wife, now if I go up there like, hey, Tom, what's going on? Tom, have you met my wife, Lisa? Now you know. But if I don't introduce the wife, it's like, baby, that's your signal. Get his name, because I don't know. Come on, we're, talk, we're talking here with leaders, right? But the engagement. Tom will come up to me, and he'll be like, I'll be like, and we'll just, hey, hey, how you doing? He's like, oh, man, I saw a pastor. And, you know, he act like he, he loved me on Sunday, and then he saw me in the mall and walked right by me. Lost one. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. I'm going to say it now. This happened this morning to us. <laughs> this happened this morning to us. We went to Tim Hortons. I said, you coming in and staying? He said, I'm coming in. I said, okay. He said, no, I'm just coming in with you. I said, okay. So we walk in, and there's a gentleman there in a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey, and he comes here not a lot, but occasionally. Um, African-American, white wife, the whole deal. And I see him all the time, and I always forget his name. And he turns around like, hey, what's going on? He's like, Pastor, what's up with you? What's going on? Oh, nothing. I got this thing today. Uh, my friend, Pastor Maurice, is in from town. He goes, hey, Pastor Maurice. And he goes, hi, I'm Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan asked me, how's your wife? How are kids? What's going on? Because you got a lot of kids. He's like, oh, the girls are dancing. And literally, we just did this this morning. I couldn't remember any of the Pittsburgh jersey shirt on. And he's like, we, you, we, we, you need prayer for that. And I look at him, and I'm like, you're a Conway fan. You need prayer. You both need prayer. And it, may, and it was just a great moment. And I'm like, hey, come see us sometime. You know, love to see you. You know, whatever I said, and, yeah. and off they went, and then we went, and but it was like what he just said happened this morning. Yeah, it was, it was a. Wait, I I had the soccer coach when I was a teenager. Wasn't real close, just had him whatever. Thirty years later, we're at the fair, crowded, and I see this guy. He's not changed. I'd like to think I've changed. He sees me. He leaves his wife and kid. Comes over and goes. I have no time. I know you from somewhere. I just want to say hi. Nice to see you. I'm sorry I can't talk, but. Awesome, see, I know you from somewhere. And he took off. Right. And I was like, yeah. I love because he was just not only said hi to me, because he was transparent. I don't know who you are. Right. And I love this this stick, Frank. Oh, absolutely. But I just love that he's like, I'm out of options. So, hey, I know you from somewhere. Sorry, I don't know where. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. I'll never forget it. Well, you know, I've, I've been places. I'm like, you know, I'm sorry. I, I, I literally, so I was in a grocery store the other day and I, I saw this lady. I'm looking all to the right. I'm like, gosh, she looks so familiar. And so I just left it alone. 
we walk a little bit more, and now we're in the middle of the aisles, and I, I, we're coming by, and she cuts and goes down. And I walk by, and I'm like, ah, and I turn around. And I'm like, I'm sorry, do we know each other? And she's like, I was looking at you at the deli counter, and I'm going, why do I know this guy? And I'm like, and I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah, found out she used to work with my mom at the food bank. And she's like, I was like, Miss Katie. She was like, yeah, how are you? So there are times when I'll, I'll admittedly say I don't know somebody. But remember this, you're as leaders, you're in the face of people who are watching you. Yeah. You represent the ministry. And you may not realize, you may be going, well, you know, everybody's, everybody's focused on PT. Nah, it's not just PT. It's the worship team. It's the worship team. It's the greeters. It's, it's the elders. It's, it's the teachers. It's the administration. You get a phone call and it's, hello? What? Right. Do you like being at work? <laughs> you know, you come through the front door and it's kind of like, hi, how are you? I'm like, do you want to be here? Because your energy transfers to me. Do I want to be here? And so it's important as leaders that we begin to look outside those boxes and, again, stretch our imagination and say, you know what? Last time I went to a place, and I call this Chick-fil-A service. You might have heard me say that before. You ever say that? I teach so many different places. I, there's a difference between Burger King and Chick-fil-A. Okay? At my job down the street, Burger King is on one side, Chick-fil-A is on the other side. Every now and then, though, I want me a nice flame-broiled burger. But I won't go to Burger King on that street. The service is horrible. Horrible. I can go to Chick-fil-A. And be like, hey, I'm sorry. Uh, thanks for the order. I forgot to ask for sauce. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't ask you if you wanted sauce. They take the ownership. No, 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 no. I, I, I should have known what I wanted. No, no, no. I should have asked you if you wanted sauce. We ought to have Chick-fil-A service. People don't go to Chick-fil-A because it's all that great. It is good. You know why people really go to Chick-fil-A? Because of the service. My pleasure. My pleasure. Come again. Yeah. They greet you by name because you have an app. Hi, Maurice. How are you? Well, I hate Mark when they call me. Hi, Maurice. Two three six zero seven. Like that's the username, but okay, I get it. Are you greeting people? Hey, uh, I saw you last week. I'm sorry. You know, glad you came back. What's your name again? Thanks for coming back, John. If you need anything, let us know. You see somebody, hey, let's, let's go back to the days of getting to know people. Because I get it. We all know each other this way. But you kind of go, it's embarrassing for me to go. I don't know their name. And we've been talking every week. and uh, But I don't know. So you know what? You do one of these numbers. You go back and do like the husband and wife do. Hey, PT, what's, what's, what's the cat's name on the third table? Back towards right. No, 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 don't look, don't look, don't look. <laughs> oh, you don't know the name either? Okay, don't worry, we'll ask Tracy. Tracy. Find out people's name. Engage them. And it's better, it's better to, to, to not remember their name and go up to them and say, hey, you know what? I forgot your name. What's your name? Than to walk by them and not say anything at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. I prefer you go and say, you know what? You know, I'm getting older. <laughs> 
you know, or, or listen, let's just be honest, right? I know I've got four beautiful children, and so my name isn't always Maurice. It's like Aaron's dad, Nick's dad. So, you know, I may be, you know, my adjective to my description may be based upon my children. So I get it. But we're engaging as leaders, and we want to make sure that we're engaging people and we're going after people. Do we need to take a break real quick? I know we're going to be done in about 20 minutes, but you need to take a break. I want to kind of, all right, cool. So let's look at 2 Timothy. Because we, we, we talked about finding those who lost. We want to grow those who've been found. 2 Timothy 2 and 2. And the things that you have heard from, from me among many witnesses, comfort these to faithful men. Yeah, sing to me. Comfort these, and I'm sorry, let me start. And the, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Okay? We need to look at, the word that I want you to put by there is discipleship. Okay? Discipleship. You cannot have discipleship without discipline. Now, the church isn't a, a willy-nilly. The church isn't anything goes. The church is not an organization where we just accept anything and we get everything and I want to make you feel good and so I want to make you feel good, I accept anything. That's not what I teach. If that's what you want to believe and that's what you want to teach, unfortunately, you came to the wrong session. Okay? I'm talking about discipline in what we do and how we do. You cannot have discipleship without discipline. The word discipleship, in the root word of discipleship is discipline. It means you, you have to be a student of what we do here. I need you to become the student and become the professional of what you do. Nobody should be able to do what you do better in this ministry. Nobody should be able to, You ought to take the call of God on your life and what you do in this ministry as a call from God. Now, I got to tell you this. I got to shoot a shot in the dark here. Unfortunately... The Christian community is the only community that does not require you to do anything to be activated. You can have flunked English, lost your job, and become a newspaper writer in the church. Because we just like volunteers. And if you're committed to it, we'll let you keep doing it. What I'm challenging you is, is that whatever you feel God has called you to do, I'm not talking about your qualifications. I'm talking about your commitment. Yeah. If God has opened up the door, then take that qualification and go to the next level. Yes. Just the, the version that I'm reading says, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Yes. There should be a level of I'm, 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 I'm excelling, I'm learning, I'm, I, wanna, I wanna be the best at it. I, 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 I'm a student of my own uh, uh, um, profession. I, I don't wanna rest on my laurels. If you're, if you're a greeter at the door, man, I'm, okay, so here's, I work with paper, I'm in, I'm in, in, in branding and production, so, so I print stuff all the time, right? And Tom was laughing about, you called it a ditto machine? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, right, he did, he did. Well, see, believe it or not, I, I do have this one problem because I print mass production of stuff. 
I go like to restaurants and places. I see stacks of paper and I start looking at it if it's cut straight and if it's printed right. And I, I, I will, I'll feel it. And I try not to anymore because my wife says it's really creeps people out when you take paper <laughs> and you start rubbing it on the bottom of your lip. I, I, I can tell what type of paper it is just by the feel on the bottom of my lip. And you know, I I, I just came from Atlanta from a from a from a, a conference that was a week long conference on paper. On paper guys and, and printing. I spent time when I look at stuff and I look at like that can and how you can print on that can. That's what I do. That's what I so I'm I'm constantly trying to figure out. I'm like, man, okay, they printed that and how I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure stuff out. I I look at stuff different. I look I go in places and if you still had programs and that you hand out on Sunday, I'm that guy that's sitting in church going, somebody didn't fold this square. <laughs> when was the last time you educated yourself on the? place that God has called you to. When was the last time you said, Pastor, I'm going to be gone this weekend because the church down the street has, has got, uh, I'm, I'm a missionary, but they've got a conference for missionaries or, or I'm, I'm, I'm going out of town and when I go out of town, I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to you know, serve people better. I want to be a servant leader. Or I'm called to be an elder or a Sunday school teacher, so I'm engaged in, in, in this on YouTube. I'm looking at this. I'm, I'm a worship leader. Or I'm singing on the worship team, so I want to know what's the latest technology. PT, you know, you ought to be bombarding your leadership with, hey, have, did you know that this is out there, that we can do this? Or so when you turn around and say, hey, here's a new program that we can do to broadcast it better, or here's the latest and greatest. You know, Twitter's changing up, and they've now made it an act. And, well, he may not know this because that's not his lane. That's not what God has called him to focus on. You want him to be focused on teaching and preaching and evangelizing. Well, what has God called you to do? And when did you take what you've learned and escalate it to the next level to say, I want to be the best at that? Martin Luther King said it this way. If whatever God has called you to be, be the best that you can be. If it's a street sweeper, be the best street, street sweeper you can be that neither heaven nor hell can do it any better. You ought to be bombarding the administration being like, listen, I, I got this seminar, I got this education. It's not going to cost you anything, or it might cost you something, but I'm going to tell you, here's what I'm going to get out of it. Here's what I've gotten out of that. Because I want to be the best at what I do. How can I teach others and lead others if I'm not at the, at the point, the, the tipping point of being sharp? Iron sharpens iron. If you're not being sharpened here, it doesn't mean you sit on your laurels. It means I go to the next level and I find out how can I be the best. My wife signed um, my youngest son up for soccer. I know this is going to shock some of you guys. I've never played soccer in my life. I've never watched soccer in my life. I, don't, I knew Tom played soccer and I could care less. I knew nothing about soccer. All of a sudden, Monday, Mark. I get a phone call. Hey, Mr. Russell, thank you for volunteering. I didn't volunteer. <laughs> and I'm sitting there with my wife, and I'm like, what do you mean volunteer? Yeah, this is the youth rec league for the soccer team your son signed up for, and uh, we got you down as a coach. No, you don't have me down for a coach. Baby, did you sign me up? She says, I signed you up to be a helper. Oh, my wife signed me up. I'm a helper. Well, Mr. Russell, we have more kids than we have coaches, and so we don't need helpers. We need a coach. I'm like, I know nothing about soccer. Guys, I knew nothing about soccer. Well, Mr. Russell, we don't have enough coaches. We can't put the teams out there. So now I'm feeling bad. So what did I do? Got on YouTube. 
I got on YouTube and I learned about soccer and I learned a lot of wrong stuff on soccer. <laughs> I was like, you know, all of a sudden I got eight kids on the field. Go, go get the ball. No, you can't send all eight down. You gotta have some defenders and they gotta stay down on this side. And I still didn't learn enough about soccer because after that year was over with, I'm like, I'm done. Sign my kid up for swimming. <laughs> Wait, why am I telling you all that? I'm telling you that because if you are called and you are called in the field that you're in, you need to be the best of it. You need to be the professional. Nobody should be able to tell you in this church how to do it better. If you've been called to sweep these floors, you ought to know every cleaning supply, the best broom, whether it's a plastic bristle or a, a, a wooden bristle, you ought to be able to know what's the best cleaning solution to clean the windows. And, and if, you, if you apply this to this glass, but uh, you can't use the same cleaning solution on this that you can use on the window, you ought to be the professional at it. You ought to be able to go, you know what? I know and I'm continuing to educate myself to be because how can I lead others if I'm not in a position to grow people? They say that if you read a book on a subject for five years, every month for five years, you have the equivalency of a doctorate degree in that subject. You are a professional. When was the last time you read a book on the subject that you serve in. Now, I hate, I hate to hit you in the jugular. What if the pastor said he hadn't read a book in five years? What if he, if, what if he told you, he said, oh, you know, I stopped studying after I got out, or are you? Just going off of what I knew. Where would we be? You wouldn't want your pastor, your teacher, or let's be personal, you wouldn't want your surgeon to have stopped learning after they came out of medical school. You don't want your teachers who are teaching your kids, your grandkids, to be like, yeah, yeah, stop reading, stop learning, stop educating. But in the church, we don't have standards. We don't hold a standard. I'm challenging South Towns to a different standard. I was happy. PT walked me through yesterday. He goes, yeah, man, we got rid of the monitors, man. We got, we got the end of ear plug. I'm like, yo, for real? I'm like, yo, I, I always wanted those. I, we never got to that level, Mark. But I'm like, that's great. You're staying current. Why does all that matter? Because for the lost, for those who are still trying to find their way, all that matters. For the person who goes, oh, I don't know why they're doing all of this lights and all this stuff on the stage and this, that, and the third, uh, it, it's, just, it's just becoming commercialized. And, and, and it doesn't need that. I had a, a deacon one time, he, Deacon Hawthorne, Deacon Hawthorne, he goes, I don't understand all of this uh, laughing and joking and stuff going on in the church. Jesus was acquainted with sorrow and grief. And I dare anybody to challenge me. Whole leadership, we was all sitting there, and, well, deacon, it's okay. When I sat there, I didn't say anything. I raised my hand. The pastor kept ignoring me. I raised my hand. He kept ignoring me. He finally got to me. I said, I agree with Deacon Hawthorne. I think it's too much going on in the church. It's not in the scriptures. If we can't find in the scriptures, we ought not do it. Right, Deacon Hawthorne? That's right, Timothy. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. That's our young Timothy back there. I says, if you'll agree with me one thing, 
He said, what's that? I said, you ought not ever go pee again. Because I never saw in the Bible where Jesus went and peed. <laughs> Everything we do, is it means something. When people come through the door, from the sweeping and getting snow off the, 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 the sidewalks to the lights functioning properly. The light bulb is out, change it. Oh, that's not my job. It is. It is because we all represent this branch. And there, there, there's no big eyes or little use. There's no, well, that's not my job. No, 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 because when we come in, it all makes an image on us. Because we say we're part of this fellowship. That's how we grow people. We educate ourselves. We learn. We become the professional in that field. All right? The second one is, uh, is 1 Peter. Tom gave me this good Bible where I can find it. It has the tabs in it, so I, I can find things very quickly. 1 Peter 2 and 2. Reads like this, as, new, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. We ought to be in a place where we're going, I want to have more. I got to desire more. We desire more in our spiritual growth. We should desire more in the growth of the church and what God has called me to do. Whatever I put my hands to, I want it to be the best. I want it to be the best. And you, you can sit back and go, well, you know, that's a little arrogance there. Okay, yeah. God gave his best. Did he not? Why should I not desire the best? And, and, and I get it. Everybody gauges what is better or best. If you don't know, you ought to be asking PT. PT, what, what do you want me to see doing this next year? When I... When I used to do my evaluations. I, I've got managers that do them now. When I used to do evaluations. Your evaluation was based upon my recommendations for the next year. If I turned around and said, you know, um, this year you did A, B, and C, and that's great. D is what I want you to work on for next year. Well, the next year, well, guess what? You did A, B, and C, good, just like you did the year before, but you didn't work on D. Your evaluation just went down. Well, why? Because I need you growing. I, I need you engaging. Where, where, where's the youth ministry at? We, we, we had a harvest fest last year. We had 20 people, 20 kids there. Okay. What's the expectations next year? Can we get a 10% increase? Can we get 22 people there? Next year? The goal was 22. How many did we get? 15. Why? Why is it that we only got 15? What, what is it that we didn't do? Have we evaluated what we're doing? Are we looking at the, the analytics on, 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 our, on our social media? Are we looking at how people are going to the website? Or are we just throwing money onto the website? Or, or, or is there any type of uh, you know, accountability of what we're doing? Are we just, is, is there, is there, does it make sense? When, when, and, and, and again, as leaders, we ought not get offended when leadership goes, why are we not here? 
Why is it that we're not marking to a different tune or a different beat? It, it, it shouldn't be a question on, on the praise and worship team if you go, why didn't you make it practice? And if they continue to mispractice, you go, hey, PT, I think I'm going to make, make some changes. PT should have so much credibility in your leadership or with the praise and worship team. He goes, they're not making it. Let me reach out to them. I'm going to reach out to them. Hey, listen, I understand, you know, you've had a couple conversations. It's busy right now. It just doesn't fit with... We get it, no hard feelings, but until your schedule can kind of match up with our requirements, well, we might need to ask you to step back for a minute because there's certain requirements that we're going to need in order to take the ministry. And nobody should be offended if you're, in, if you're part of the team. You don't get offended by that. You kind of sit back and you go, okay, Lord, I'll take that one on the chin. I got to time in my life when everybody else was getting new assignments at the job. And I'm going, arrogance. I'm, I'm more qualified than they are. Well, says, I'm not going to promote you. I'm not going to ask you to do nothing until your heart changes. I'm like, my heart's pure, God. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And for a year and a half, I had to sit second seat to God change my heart. But I remember, he didn't repeat that but once. He told me that, Sandy, one time. Your heart's not in the right place. He didn't have to say it again. But I kept battling with him. All right, today I'm better. They give out Christmas awards every year, Tom. Christmas awards every year. They, they put your name in a basket. Tell them they, where you work. Oh, I work at CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network, 700 Club, right? So every year for Christmas, they, they, you fill out a form, you put your name in the basket, and the Christmas program, they, they rotate this big old thing, and they pull your name out, and they give you all these gift certificates, and you can win everything from a $5 Starbucks card to a trip to Israel, right? And everything in between, TVs and all this other stuff. And I know, I've been there almost 23 years, I've never won anything at the Christmas program. Never. Never. And you know something? I don't anticipate ever winning anything right now. Because my heart's not right. I'm going to tell you how I know my heart's not right. You ready for this, Mark? Ready? When they call the $5 gift certificate to Starbucks, I go, don't call my name. Don't call my name. I don't want <laughs> Don't pull the trip. Don't pull my name. I want the trip. I want the TV. I want, I want, I want the grill. I, you know, I, want, I want the big prize. I don't, want, I don't want the $50 to Walmart. I don't, I don't want the $100 to Target. I, no, 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 no. And God goes, your heart's not in the right place. You're not thankful. He says, if you're faithful over little, I'll make you rule over many. So for 23 years, I've been steady going, I, I, I don't want that. And I, my heart doesn't change on that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I need to, but for 23 years. I'll take care of you. <laughs> I know, that's what my wife's doing. Well, look, I told Kalitha, I'd bring her the Target. If I got the Starbucks card or the Target, I said, then that'll be your gift for Christmas. She goes, then don't win it. We got to make sure our heart's in the right place. Let me, let me quickly go through making sure that we're, we're, we're being passionate about what we're doing, making sure that we're discipling people, making sure that we're giving them the nourishment that they need, that they need to make sure that we're giving them, we're moving as leaders. Are we moving from just the milk and we're moving into the meat of things? The, 
PT should not have to keep going over the same thing over and over again with you as a leader. He should not have to keep uh, rehearsing things that you should just know what to do. If he says that I need my leaders at a conference, then guess what? You need leaders at the conference. If he says I need you to be, you know, at church at a certain time, guess what? Need you to be there. Are things going to come up? Absolutely things are going to come up. Is there grace and mercy? Yes, there is. But you ought to set a better standard. We should not have a different standard. If you was on your job, you do better. And if you're not doing better on your job, maybe that's why you ain't getting the promotion. I'm going to start that and look down here. Like <laughs> you know, I'm just going to talk like that for just a little bit. All right? And I think I'm running out of time. I don't know if I have time to go through the rest of this. I think I've given, because we, we were done by 1130, right? That's what we know. Yeah, these people have. Yes. And I want to be respectful of everybody's time. You know, sorry. Can they do one more and do one more? It's up to you guys. I'm stuck with them. I'll get the rest of it myself. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so let me let me let me let me go through the third point: creating a strong foundation. Because this is this is good. Okay. And I, I'll just go through Matthew seven. I won't read the scriptures. You have the scriptures, so you can go back and you can read the scriptures that will help you understand this. The point that I want you to get by Matthew seven twenty four through twenty seven is this, is that this is the rock of faith. Building a strong foundation in Christ. It's important for us to make sure that all that we do is rock solid in the foundation of Christ. What's that foundation? Love. Love. Listen, put that in bold, underline it, circle it, highlight it. Love. If it's not saturated, surrounded, in love, stop doing it. If you can't say it in love, you can't deal with it in love, stop doing it. Remember, unconditional love is what we're talking about. That agape, agape, unconditional love. That means I'm going to love you just the way you are. I'm going to love you just the way you are. And hopefully it's that love that draws you. It's that love that keeps you. It's that love that, you know, if, 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 if you know, my wife and I, we've gotten better with our, what we call great debates. Y'all might call them arguments, right? But we've gotten better to be able to go, you know what? Afterwards, you know, let's laugh about this thing. Let's, 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 I'm not attacking you. You're not attacking me. This isn't a fight to the finish. This isn't, we're not trying to see who can, you know, we're on the same team. We're, listen, we're all on the same team. So if, if, if one person says something, it's not, you know, oh, every time I say something, they want to come against me. They want to, it's not that. We're not, try, we're trying to sharpen each other. Listen, iron sharpens iron. That means something's got to give and it's going to hurt. But the foundation of everything that we do is in love. The contrast between the wise and the foolish builder, the contrast between the two is one built it on one thing and one built it on the other. Are you building it on the rock or are you building it on sand? Let me tell you something. If you build it on the word of God and on love, that's the rock. If you're building it on your feelings, you're going to get hurt every time you turn around. You'll be the one to go, you know what? Uh, PT didn't talk to me, did he? I know he don't talk to me often either. No, 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 no. You'll be like, oh, I'm sorry that, you know, the pastor didn't greet you, but is there something I can help you with? You might say, well, that's not even my job. No, 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 it is your job because we're all leaders. We're all in the same boat together. The Ephesians 4 and uh, 2 through 6, I want you to put by that is unity and love. Here's the key points I want you to get out of this. The importance of humility, gentleness, patience, and love. Maintaining the unity of the spirit. 
unity and love. I'll throw another scripture out there. It's John 17. It's the prayer that Jesus prayed. Make us one. Make them one as you and I are one, talking to God as Father. Unity and love is so critical to making sure that we're moving in the right direction. It's so the, the importance of humility, gentleness, patience, and love. As you deal with people here at South Towns, as you deal with one another, make sure that you're doing it in love, in unity, in gentleness. You know, it's not always about you know what you say, but how you say it. You know, when I'm having that, that nice conversation with my wife, that great debate, that's what we call it. We call it the great debates around the house. You know, when we're having that great debate, and I'd be like, babe, I mean, what are you mad about? I told you I love you. <laughs> I didn't say nothing wrong. I mean, I said love. And she's like, yeah, remember, 97% or 93, I'm sorry, 93% of communication is nonverbal. 93% of communication is nonverbal. So your tone your body language, your inflection says more than your words. So if you want to show love, make sure your whole body says it. You know, in the days of teams and virtual calls and stuff like that, I'll be sitting there and cameras on me and I hear the Holy Spirit say, straighten your face out, straighten Because <laughs> <laughs> what I said meant everything, but what I meant to say and what I was thinking in my heart was, that's an idiot. <laughs> and my body language showed it. So make sure that what we do, we communicate that level of humility, gentleness, patience, and love. I've just got one more, the fourth one, since we're here, might as well get it out of the way. All right, supporting ministry leadership. Hebrews 13 and 7, I want you to write this one down, honoring and praying for leaders. Not only should you be praying for your pastor, and his family, let me tell you something. Take out the head and the rest will follow. If you're not praying daily for your pastor and his family, did you hear me say that? Yes. I'll repeat it. For the pastor and his family. He has a commission by God to look after you. You ought to be praying for him and his family. You ought not be jealous about what God blesses him with. You ought to be thanking God for whatever God blesses him with. Because whatever happens to him, it just means it's coming on down. You ought to see that as a sign of God. You bless the pastor, guess what? It's like the anointing that goes off of Aaron's head down to his beard onto his coat. It's coming my way. And I'm believing that it's coming down my way. You ought to be supporting him. You ought to be praying for him. You ought to be praying for his family. You ought to be offering up opportunities. How can I bless you, pastor? Why? Because we are supporting one another. Let me tell you something. Stub your toe and watch what your hand do. <laughs> Stub your toe, especially your pinky toe. I keep telling people, Mark, I know where the devil resides in me. <laughs> I've reduced him down to my pinky toe, the right side, not the left. If I stub that toe, my mouth, my head, my hands, everything's going to respond to that toe. If you hurt and the body does not respond, they're not part of the body. Get a migraine. Everything shuts down. I don't see nobody, I don't talk to nobody, I don't hear nobody. We should be praying for the head. 
If you don't feel the passion, because I'm going to tell you something, and I believe this with all my heart, because I believe in the man of God that God has placed here in this season, that when you hurt, he hurts, and he's praying for you. And you should be doing the same. Amen? Amen. Honoring and praying for your leaders, obeying and submitting to leaders. Okay, don't be like the, the, the children of Korah. Talking about you know better than Moses. Hello? You don't know that. Go back and look it up in the Old Testament. Find out what happened to 250 of them. Was sucked up. Gone. Some of y'all looking at me like you don't know that story. Go check it out. <laughs> they stood up and said, why should we have to listen to Moses? We know. We hear from God. God opened up the earth, sucked them in. Then close the earth up. I keep telling people God is the biggest gangster I ever know. <laughs> he can get rid of bodies and nobody ever find them. Yes. Right? <laughs> Pray for those who watch over your soul. And then the last one is Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, equipping the saints. The roles of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. The role is to equip the saints. Your role as a leader is not only to be equipped, but equip those around you. Raise the standard. Raise the standard in your areas. Raise the standard of your commitment. Require more of folks and watch them rise up. Watch them come up. They're not gonna, they're not gonna back down. They're just they're gonna, they're gonna go, you know what? Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know that was in me. I didn't know I was able to do more. Yeah, I want you to do more. I want you, I want you to, I, here's, here's a book or here's a teaching that I want you to get involved with. Here's, here's, here's some things that I want you to get engaged with. I want you to, because why? I want to make sure that whatever offering, sacrifice we give unto God is the best that we have to give. Here's the takeaways, okay? Is that we look at everything that we do. I want you to look at this week and look at all the four steps that we looked at and write down Sometime between now and the next time you guys meet, write down an action step that you will apply of the things that you've learned today. Something that's specific to your area. Something that's specific to, you know, what you've learned so that you can say, you know, PT, this is what I'm taking away. This is what I'm committing over the next year to doing in the area that, that I'm assigned to. So that we will see growth as a ministry over the next year. I'm not asking for the next 30 days. I'm saying something over the next year. Four steps, put action steps to it to say, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. Because we got to be what? Not just hearers of the word, but doers also. Any questions or comments? This was awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys so much. Turn it back over to PT. Thank you.